She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Now, Stacy Washington. Welcome to the program. It's great to be with you and Boy, do we have a lot to unpack today. There is just an amazing amount of uh, emotion surrounding what's going on with the Kavanaugh hearings. And so this morning, I sat as most people did, and I spent time listening to Dr. Christine Blasey Ford in her put-on voice. She's wanting to give the presentation of an innocent prepubescent teen like she was when these events allegedly occurred and I just didn't buy it she had emotion she she definitely had a level of emotionality about what she was talking about she was talking about the alleged event which I shock and awe if we were playing one of those games where you tally up how often you see a word Uh, Whoever picked the word allegedly would be losing because she said that it happened. And from the moment she made her opening statement, not one person said allegedly. Everyone seems to admit that something happened to her. Now, there's a good and there's a bad in that. First of all, the good is, you know, yay for women all over the world that we can have someone believe when someone says something happened. But remember, this isn't uh, La La Land or, you know, land of the I say it happened, so therefore it happened. Remember, people have recanted. There have been many, many cases of individuals, sometimes decades afterwards, finally coming forward and admitting that they lied about an allegation of rape or sexual assault or what have you. This is not a done deal. Someone's word doesn't make it so. Now, it's important that these kinds of allegations are brought forward and investigated. And that could have occurred. It still could occur. Apparently, the statute of limitations for a felony in the state of Maryland, where the alleged uh, assault occurred, there is no statute of limitations on felonies. So she could theoretically come to the police. And the police in Maryland, uh, one of the police departments there has said that they await information from her so that they can launch an investigation because in order for them to launch an investigation they have to hear from the actual victim but that's where all of the sense ends and the nonsensicalness begins and you know let's let's just let's have our morning for today's show it's going to get harsh I don't mean that it's going to be explicit or vulgar I mean it's going to be harsh because as a woman I'm going to share what I consider to be the unvarnished truth Obviously, it's from my perspective here. This is the Stacy on the Right Show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. And you hear the disclaimer at the end of every hour. My views don't represent the views of American Family Radio uh, or American Family Association. And so now that we've given all of this, the disclaimers out, let's talk about uh, who's on the show. We, we have Karen Cataline. She's going to come on and join us and talk about this phenomenon that's going on with with not just with Judge Kavanaugh, but the, the precedent that's being set for any person who goes out for a job who isn't a Democrat. If you're not a Democrat, you should be very concerned right now because 
what they're doing with Christine Blasey Ford. They're using the template of Anita Hill. They've added on some uh, kind of like uh, options, if you will, if you want to talk car lingo. They've added on some options and upgrades from their experiences with Herman Cain. And they've got something they're doing that they feel, if this works, we'll never have another Republican going up for anything because they'll just make their allegations. And remember, they tried the same thing. They, they have tried and succeeded with President Trump in tarring and feathering him. But his base is too strong. And that's what it comes down to. We have to be strong. You're being deceived. First of all, obviously, one of the side benefits of this entire circus is that you don't get to pay attention to the successes of the Trump administration. That's number one. Number two, the end goal here has nothing to do with protecting your rights or, uh, you know, getting you something that you might have voted for. This is only about preventing the conservative takeover of the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, you might say, well, it's it's the conservatives turn. They won the election. Yada, yada. No, it's never anyone else's turn, according to the Democrats. And I, I know there are people who listen in the audience who are Democrats, and I sometimes will get a note from them. You know, you're being so hard on the Democrats. I'm not. I'm telling the truth about the Democrats, just like they tell the truth about the Republicans, how they never get around to doing anything about immigration, how they never pass E-Verify, how they haven't met a budget spending line item that they don't like. They run on smaller government, but they don't know how to make it small. I'm equal opportunity over here, and I, and I, I don't need the snowflake baby brigade. Not today. Not while we're sitting and watching the dismantling of a man's entire life over the fact that he said, yes, sure, I'll go. I'll be your nominee. And boom, now he's fair game to destroy. And people think that this is something that they, they can localize and centralize and that it will only be about, uh, you know, Kavanaugh. When the reality is, if they can do it to him, they can do it to you. And the minute you start thinking you're above it, that you're better than it, you're no better than the Germans were back when the Jews were being hauled off, sometimes in the daytime. At first it was at night, at first it was secreted, but then afterwards it was in the daytime. And they would just haul people off. They'd haul them off, confiscate their belongings, anything of value, and leave the house empty with the door ajar. And Germans thought, well, I mean, they must have done something wrong. I just can't pay attention to this. I'm not really sure. Read, read the accounts. They thought they were above it too. So when totalitarianism comes knocking at the door, you got to open it up and welcome it in. If you plan on it coming in and staying with you. But if you're like me and you don't want any parts of totalitarianism, if you think the rule of law means something, then you've got to be upset by what's happening today. Anyone can get in front of you and act. Anyone can put on a show for you. But how about the truth? How about none of the people that she names off as individuals who were present at these parties remember her? None of them corroborate her story. What was she doing upstairs? No one asked her this morning. The most important question to me, she said she, during the party, just turned and went up a narrow staircase. Why? Why did you go up there? Was someone up there? Did someone call your name? She gets to the top of the staircase, turns and sees a bedroom, and then someone pushes her into it from behind. So she was going up the stairs and didn't hear anyone coming up the stairs behind her. She claims there was only music upstairs, no music downstairs. She said there were four people in total at the gathering. Then she said there were four people besides uh, Mark Judge and, and Brett Kavanaugh. 
And she had to go over her own letter that she wrote. She says she's double master's degree and a PhD and, of course, a bachelor's. But, and she wrote this letter, and she doesn't remember everything that's in it. Now, I can commiserate with that a little bit. I mean, if, if you write a lot, you might write an article, and then later you're like, oh, what did I write exactly? And you kind of have to refresh yourself. But this is a woman who knew she was going to be testifying today. At the very minimum, she should have reviewed that letter. You know she was prepped because she had all of the Democrats' questions and her answers typed out so she could read them. So I'm indignant, but not because of the partisan nature of things. I'm Stacy on the right, but way before that in the list of things that I may or may not be successfully, I'm a child of the king and I have to have an allegiance to the truth. And the truth is this doesn't pass the smell test. It doesn't work. Not for America, maybe for Venezuela or some tin pot dictatorship, maybe for North Korea, maybe for a country where, you know, they don't have a constitution. They don't have a bill of rights. They don't have any innate rights that were given to them by God and enshrined into law. They don't have any, any, any liberties, if you will. For people like that, this kind of a sham witch hunt type of a thing, this is a matter of course. This is their every day. But we are not in some sham 10 pot dictatorship. We're in America. And so those who are saying, oh, she was a hero today. I've seen the most lofty, emotionally laden tripe just flowing all over social media. She's our hero. I'm Christine Ford today. She's reliable. She's credible. She's well-educated. She's unimpeachable. Yeah, right. I'm to the point now where I don't even care if Kavanaugh did it. It's such a blatantly obvious political hit job. I no longer care if Kavanaugh is guilty of what Christine Blasey Ford says he's guilty of. Now, you know you have pushed it too far when I stop caring about whether or not he did it. That's where I am. And I'm not the only one who's frustrated. You've got Senator Lindsey Graham issuing a warning to the Democrats saying you better watch out. It's number three. Are you going to vote tomorrow? Well, I, I have to answer. Will to this answer be to. enough for some Republicans not to vote for her? Well, let me put it this way to my Republican colleagues. <clears throat> if this becomes a new standard where you have an accusation for weeks, you drop it right before the hearing, you withhold from the committee a chance to, to do this in a uh, professional, timely fashion, when they publicly say that their goal is to delay the vote, get the Senate back in 2018 to make sure he can't fill the seat. They're publicly saying that. I don't want to reward that kind of behavior. I think we've been very fair. And to my Republican colleagues, if you can ignore everything in this record, look at an allegation that's 35 years old, that's uncertain in time, place, date, and no cooperation, if that's enough for you, God help us all as Republicans, because this happens to us. It never happens to them. But let me tell you, my Democratic friends, if this is the new norm, you better watch out for your nominees. Now, that's the first time I've heard a Republican at all publicly say that if this is the new normal, giddy up. And you know what? If Democrats don't get it, that what's good for the goose is good for the gander. They already got a taste of it. Remember when they eliminated the filibuster for judicial nominees and Mitch McConnell took to the floor of the Senate and said, 
You won't like the way this works out for you. Now we have Neil Gorsuch. And tomorrow there's going to be a vote on this nominee unless it gets pulled tonight by the president. And and I can't watch, obviously, because we're here on the air. But I see on the live stream that I was watching earlier that Kavanaugh's there. He's red faced and he's going off as well. He should. He's been calm. He's been laid back. His demeanor has been pristine. But now it's time for him to defend his honor against these scurrilous attacks. It is time for him to come forward and go for it like he's never gone for it before. Game on. This is not a game for his family. It's not a game for his wife, for his daughters. It's not a game for America. They're taking something that was set up for us hundreds of years before the Supreme Court. They're taking that and they're, they're twisting it and they're metastasizing it and they're corrupting it and they're infecting it and they're killing it. They're killing our opportunity to have a system of governance in in our judicial court system that Americans can respect, that can be full of honor. You know, it's anytime we've got people involved, we're going to have flaws and sins and mistakes and we're going to have hiccups, but it's just not right that we've got it as good as we can possibly get it. You can't find another system of government on the face of this planet that's better than ours and we have fully almost half of the country, maybe 40% of the people here who want to completely destroy it. Never before have I ever seen a more clearly demonstrated example of what the Bible says when it says that, that we pick apart our own house with our own hands. And in the Bible, that reference is for women who tear apart their own homes instead of building it up. But the, the, the analogy works. America is our house. Our court system is a part of the house that is integral. It's like the HVAC. Without it, we've got dirty air pumping in and people are getting sick. If it's not functioning properly, it's costing us a lot of money, but we're dying in the summertime of heat or we're freezing to death in the winter. This whole idea that the grass is greener in the Netherlands or Sweden or or even Switzerland, which y'all know I got to think about Switzerland. Germany, any of those places, denies the fact that the grass is greener on the other side, but it's still grass. You have to mow the grass over here. You have to mow the grass over there. Grass is grass. Take care of your own grass. Stop coveting that fancy grass your neighbor has because that grass costs a lot more money in taxes and loss of freedom. It's time for people to wake up. These people are trying to rob us of our very country. We'll be back with our first guest after this. Stay there. Meet Roxy, nurse director for the Preborn Clinic in Southern California. I have this lady, and she came in. She was very scared. Boyfriend didn't want her to have a baby, and she said, I don't want this baby. We provided an ultrasound. She was laying on a table, and there it was. It was a small baby. Then she heard the heartbeat. She heard the heartbeat, and she said, well, you know, it's alive. After hearing the heartbeat, she made a decision that she was going to keep her baby. She also made a decision that day to recommit herself to Jesus. Preborn runs and leads Christian pregnancy centers all over the country, helping abortion-minded mothers to choose life for their unborn babies. To find out more about how you can help save a baby's life, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. All gifts are tax deductible. Your love can save a life. 
Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. I have a friend who lost everything because he would not deal with the sin in his life. He had a seemingly successful ministry, but he was living a life of hidden immorality. When confronted about his sin, he lied and continued to cover it up. Then things began to unravel. Through an amazing chain of events, the leaders in his ministry began to see patterns that proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that our dear friend was living in immorality. They dismissed him from his ministry, his wife left him, and his children lost confidence in him. What a tragic and unnecessary loss. It's tragic and unnecessary because nobody has to live in unrepentant sin. In Psalm 7, verses 11 through 13, we find some very sobering words. God is a righteous judge, a judge who has indignation every day. If a man does not repent, he will sharpen his sword. He has bent his bow. He has made it ready. He has also prepared for himself deadly weapons. He makes his arrows fiery shafts. The imagery is incredible here. It's a picture of a God who is very serious and intentional about dealing with sin. It's not a game with God. Sin destroyed the world, and God says that unless we repent and turn from our sin, there are consequences that will be meted out. Repentance averts the judgment of God. If we turn to Him away from our sin, He gives us what we need to overcome. He showers our souls with mercy, help, and hope. He gives us the power we need to walk in the light and away from the sin. If we don't repent, it's just a matter of time. Here's what I want you to remember today. To not repent is like saying you want God's judgment. You see, repentance is really not optional. Join Crawford Loritz tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey, make sure and head over to AFR.net and UrbanFamilyTalk.com. We really appreciate your, your eyes, your ears. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, I'm on a righteous tear and I'm going to stay on one until we see some justice done for the Kavanaugh's and for America at large. And that includes the people who don't understand that we're actually fighting for them, too. That's what's the most interesting thing about the Kavanaugh nomination process is that if Republicans were doing this to Democrats, it would still be wrong. So it's not a partisan issue wanting to see a fair and open and honest process that sticks to what we believe here in a, as our country, the, the system of law and order that we have in this country. We have to maintain order. And so, you know, it's it's not about it being Democrats who are pulling this off. It's about what they're doing being wrong. And if you can't get with that, you know, your your, your problem is not with me. Your problem is not with me. It's my pleasure to welcome uh, um, Karen Cataline. Her website is KarenCataline.com. And she's a commentator, columnist, talk show host. She received her master's degree in social work uh, from Columbia University. She's frequently a guest host on AM Talk Radio and she's been uh, written writing for op-eds for Investors Business Daily, Western Journal, Town Hall, The Daily Caller, and The American Thinker. Karen, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me, Stacey. Okay. I've been, I've been mad for like three or four days. And I don't mean mad like a psycho. I mean just kind of calmly angry under the surface about what's happening to Judge Kavanaugh and the complete obliteration of his character over allegations that are unsubstantiated. And now, this morning, I spent my time, I, I had 
a lot of things to do, but I kind of carved out some time to just really hone in on her testimony because if she could possibly be telling the truth, it would change my mind about him because I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm partisan, but I'm not partisan to the point of being unable to absorb the truth. And if Judge Kavanaugh was a serial rapist or someone who had a really low moral character and he'd been hiding that all these years, that would be something that for me would change my mind about him being worthy of being on the Supreme Court. I don't believe her. I, I don't know if you saw the testimony today. Where do you come down on this? Oh, I've been riveted. I was riveted. I was so riveted because, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I just saw the very beginning of Kavanaugh's uh, statement, which people can hear on YouTube and other places. We'll be able to see it a million times. Um, it, it, I was almost moved to tears. The man has the kind of righteous indignation that I was hoping to see that I didn't see before. And here's what I think, and I've been making notes, of course, Stacey, because everybody who's even moderately interested is watching this today. And um, I, as a social worker, I thought that she was extremely credible, uh, Dr. Ford. She was credible to the point, uh, I think that she was, embellishing her victimhood because she knew that would help her. Mm. But I think the evidence seems to show that her, her shark attorneys and the Democrats who betrayed her kept her very much in the dark. Mm. And she may very well believe something happened to her. She also may have been preconditioned, you know, had a lot of situations in her own life that made this experience a lot more vivid and a lot more damaging for her than it may have been for someone else. None of us, none of us knows what happened 37 years ago. The Democrats want us to be focusing on that. They are willing at the damage of the country to have us all at each other's throats trying to decide if this happened 37 years ago or not. And that's the wrong way to look at this. It really is. Because we can't know. What we can know is that the Democrats, this is right out of their playbook. And if they're allowed to get away with this, because even if he did do it, and I'm not, I don't think he did, even if he did do it, should a man's career be destroyed 40 years or whatever it is because of something he did when he was a minor? I don't think so. And the, the Democrats wouldn't say so either if it was one of their people. And my God, they wouldn't even uh, admit that Bill Clinton or Ted Kennedy were guilty, and they were adults. So we shouldn't let ourselves get sidetracked here, even though it, it is, it's got all the makings of a historic event that people will be talking about for decades. But I don't think we should lose the forest for the trees here. So I've, I've moved, Karen, from being really kind of interested, like whenever something would, would occur, like when Christine Blasey Ford's allegations came forward, I was, I was reading and I was trying to, you know, decipher. I'm like, wow, this sounds like it's the thing that the Democrats always do. They trot somebody out. If they don't like you, they thought Herman Cain was a deadly force, like a whirlwind that would completely alter the political landscape if the Republicans had the first black president and they couldn't have that. So they destroyed him personally. It wasn't about his political views. Yeah, I mean, did. right. And, and I don't mean they destroyed him like 
they, what they did was they destroyed his political career and they destroyed him personally, injecting a lot of doubt into his marriage and his personal relationships that didn't have to happen because it seems to me that if their guy was really the better guy, they could have just fought him on equal footing. The Republicans could never. have had a black nominee yeah, and they so never could the Democrats. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously. They, they would prefer to choose our candidates for us. Yes. And if they can't do that, they'll smear them out of the running. You know, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm no, a little no, wild, on. too. It's an emotional day, and I apologize. But how long are Democrats going to be allowed to get away with these tactics? That's the real question. We see it again and again and again and again and again. How many times are they going to demagogue every issue, demonize everyone who disagrees with them, racist, sexist, homophobe, and until Republicans get a clue, which a good many of them just don't, we're going to get our heads handed to us on stuff like this. Well, okay, so let's let's talk about that for a second. Uh, Lindsey Graham, I played a little bit of audio from him just in the first segment where he said, you know, Democrats, if this is the new rule of the day, if this is the way you want to play this game, then you better watch out. Do you think the Republicans are finally at the place where they would like to take off their, you know, super tight sweater vests and um, little third, (laughs) you know, waistcoats and all of their haberdashery? take off their $8,000 worth of suits and, and actually put on some regular working man clothes and some work boots and actually work on behalf of Americans to fight these people? Well, Stacey, I hate to give you an answer you don't want to hear, but no, oh. I don't. <laughs> I, think, I think that there are some people within the Republican Party who are ready to do that, and those are the people we have to send to Washington, and we need to retire the ones that uh, fit your description. Uh, because they are not working for the American people, not even a little bit. And the ones that are working against the president of their own party need to be immediately retired or as soon as possible. I'm and that's you. what's happening. We're feeling we're getting betrayed not only by a crazy, insane, lose your lunch left, but we're getting betrayed by a good many Republicans on our own side of the aisle who, for reasons that seem incomprehensible but have more to do with power and the swamp and the deep state and their own little rice bowl, are betraying everything they said they believed in and why we voted for them. So they need to be ousted uh, in as as quick a way as is possible. I mean, this this, uh, midterm is exceptionally important. It is. But I'll tell you what, Karen. Um, the, 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 so you mentioned that the Democrats will always want to pick the candidate for the Republicans. They did. This time around, they did. They chose Donald Trump because they thought what could be worse for them than Donald Trump. And we can't thank them enough because what could be better for the Republican Party than the reset button that, and, and hurricane extraordinaire in, in you know, a, probably a million dollar suit <laughs> than Donald Trump. So when, when you talk about them, like, so I'm obviously I can't watch, but I know that Judge Kavanaugh is yeah. on, on the stand. He's testifying. I flipped through when we were on the break and I just looked at just the just his demeanor because I can't listen. And oh, my goodness. Spectacular opening. Oh, spectacular I hear everyone's emailing me. Anything yes. I expected. He he was moved to tears when he talked and, about his child. I was watching yes. it right before. As I say, everybody should be listening to you but, <laughs> and me. <laughs> but when they go back and watch the YouTube uh, of his opening, which he's doing, uh, they will be stunned and shocked that this is the same guy 
who was interviewed by Martha McCallum just a couple days ago. People expected him to be a wimp. He is no wimp. And uh, uh. I'm loving it because he's up to this task. And I, was, I wasn't happy at the beginning uh, at all. To answer your question, what I mean by the Democrats choose our candidates for us, in a more specific way, in, in races all around the country, they are known for playing in our elections. Mm-hmm. They give money to the weakest candidate. They smear the strongest candidate. This is what they've been doing for decades and decades. They, they, they muck around with our election laws to make them more favorable to themselves. Uh, they don't play from a fair rule book. They're trying to stack the deck. And the only one, really, who has given us a roadmap on how to fight back against this stuff is Donald Trump. He makes them lose their minds. Yeah, I love it. it. Don't you? I, I, I enjoy I it immensely. It. <laughs> immensely. In fact, yesterday, one of the best moments of the day um, was after the show, the president had some press conference from <laughs> the U.N. and it was yeah. unexpected. They weren't expecting An him to do it. An hour and 20 minutes. And he just kept on going. And, you know, he, he had his normal witticisms with him, but he also cracked new, fresh territory open with jokes and, uh, you know, insults. And it was just gold. And so in some ways, I don't understand how it's, it's almost like the media shoots themselves in the foot because as much as they hate him, they need those one hour and 20 minute press conferences because most Americans are tuning out of their media. They're going to YouTube and, and other new online social media to find news from regular people because they can't trust the media types. In, in some ways, they're so closely tied to him and they need him so badly. It's funny to see the way they react to him like he's the plague when in reality, it, he's the only thing keeping a lot of their newscasts alive. Yeah, but they also make sure to manipulate the coverage. Um, and, and this is what is so unconscionable about what they do. He, he, he gives them ratings, but they'll parse every word he says in order to make him look like, again, to, to demonize and make him look like a monster, just like they tried within, what, two weeks to make Brett Kavanaugh look like a monster. These are the people who claim to be so compassionate and tolerant and <laughs> loving. I mean, I'm hoping that everyday people who aren't political junkies like you and me have figured out what hypocrites these people are. That's mm. what we hope, is that they've gone so far off the rail, they've jumped the shark so much, that maybe everyday people are realizing that these people are full of it. They are everything they accuse others of being. They're poisoning our political landscape with their hatred of this country. I'm sorry. I'm a little riled. <laughs> oh, no. You're doing fantastic. Thank you. Because I, I, what, what we need, Karen, is we need more of that. We need more people who are just willing to say, you know what? Um, if you're yeah, a good person, if you're, if you're an honest person, if you enjoy the truth, if you have an allegiance to the truth, and we're all imperfect, we all make mistakes, this isn't about saying, I, I have an allegiance to the truth. I'm a Republican. I'm perfect. No, no, no. It's the opposite of that. It's saying the reason I have an allegiance to the truth is because I'm an imperfect person and the truth can be that dividing rod, you know, and we have to have something that we're using to guide us without a guide of some sort. We're just going to flail all around. And really, that's what it looks like. The, this kind of godless, mirthless, completely 
it, it is there's no compassion there. There's no tolerance there. And that's what we see coming from the left hand side of the aisle. And I, I, I wanted to ask you another question about this morning. Um, there was someone in the room in the uh, Senate Judiciary panel that 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 room there that was new to the whole process. But and there was a lot of speculation about how well she did. It's Rachel Mitchell, the career prosecutor with decades of experience in prosecuting sex crimes. How did you think she was able to do with her five minute blocks of questioning of uh, uh, Dr. Ford? Well, very frankly, Stacy, I hated it. I just mm-hmm. hated it. I thought it was a terrible choice on the part of the Republicans in the committee. Um, whenever you knuckle under to political correctness, which is what they do incessantly, they make wrong choices because they're coming from a place of defensiveness. Oh, we don't want to look like old white men. Oh, we don't want to look like this. Oh, we don't want to look like that. This is like what the Democrats do. They'll keep you so defensive that you can't make intelligent decisions. Uh, The way this was allowed to snowball and turn into a circus, as Kavanaugh said just a little while ago, is is, um, because the Republicans didn't use any tough love. They don't realize they're going to get demonized and creamed no matter what they do. So they might as well take care of business and do what's right. But they don't know how to do that. So um, I think this choice is terrible because what they chose was they're, they're believing what the Democrats tell them. Oh, you can't question a woman because she's beyond reproach. And oh, she's so fragile. She's going to break in little pieces. This is all for show. This woman is not, she's in her 50s, and she's acting like a child. Mm-hmm. For the uh, worse than a child. The, the show. It's, now, it's worse than children. that doesn't mean she didn't go through something, but <clears throat> as I've written in a lot of my pieces in my op-ed, in the 70s, and I'm a little older, probably older than you, in the 70s it was Helen Reddy's I Am Woman, Hear Me Roar, I'm Invincible. Now they're treating women like little pathetic victims who can't stand up for themselves. And this is all for their political purposes to turn women into the next big victim group voting bloc. And women, it is exploiting those who really have been hurt into thinking that they're pathetic, as, as my dear um, partner who happens to be male, that's how I call him, my partner who happens to be male, <laughs> He calls them pathetic, cringing little milk stops. I mean, this no. is not womanhood. And we don't no, want to be not. reduced to, oh, we're all victims. Yeah, and it's an insult. Thank you so much. Karen Cataline, karencataline.com. We'll be back with more right after this. What does it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. Worry. It's what we do. No matter how brave a face we put on in certain situations, worry still nags at our hearts. But if we remember what God has already done for us, we can hold on to the assurance that He will continue to provide and make a way through the uncertainty of tomorrow. It's lying back in the strong arms of God and basking in the peace that time with Him provides. God will relieve you of worry if you ask Him, It doesn't mean that he'll always give you success or the outcome you think is best, but what he does promise is peace. Tony Dungy, author of the popular Uncommon book series. 
Discover more at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com. Y'all have encouraged us to go out, stand for the Word of God, stand politically. It's truly a blessing to hear how God is using Urban Family Talk just want to say I love everything that Urban Family does. Will you take a moment to share your story? Call 877-327-5647. That's 877-327-5647. Thanks. Imagine you're back to school shopping and your little girl comes running from the restroom in tears saying she saw a man in there. Sadly, scenes like this are playing out at Target stores across the country. Their policy is to allow men into women's restrooms and fitting areas. If some of us don't stand up and say this is wrong, what comes next? Protect your family and send Target a message by doing your back-to-school shopping elsewhere. Learn more and sign the Boycott Target Pledge at AFA.net. I'm Chad Pergram with the Speaker's Lobby. Democrats would likely have a shot at keeping Brett Kavanaugh off the Supreme Court were it not for something known as the nuclear option. In 2013, then-Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid grew frustrated with repeated filibusters from Republicans of lower court and executive branch nominees. So after much consternation, Reid lit the fuse on what's known in the Senate as the nuclear option. Back then, it took 60 votes to break a filibuster in the Senate on all nominations. Changing Senate rules requires a procedural vote of 67 yeas. But there was another way to lower the bar on filibusters by establishing a new precedent. Reid didn't change the Senate rules. He instituted a new precedent for breaking filibusters on all nominations except the Supreme Court. Reid's decision incensed Republicans then in the minority. And so facing a possible filibuster last year on the nomination of Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch, Republicans now in the majority returned fire with a nuclear strike of their own, lowering the bar for those nominations too. With the Speaker's Lobby, Chad Pergram, Fox News. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. May I ask, Dr. Ford, how did you get to Washington? In an airplane. Okay. It's, I asked that because it's been reported by the press that you would not submit to an interview with the committee because of your fear of flying. Is, is that true? Well, I was willing, I was hoping that they would come to me, but then I uh, realized that was an unrealistic request. It would have been a quicker trip for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, that was certainly what I was hoping was to avoid having to get on an airplane, but I eventually was able to uh, get up the gumption with the help of some friends and get on the plane. When you were here in uh, the mid-Atlantic mid area back in uh, August, uh, end of July, August, how did you get here? Also by airplane. I come here once a year during the summer to visit my family. Okay. I'm sorry, not here. I go to Delaware. Okay. Thanks. Um, in fact, you fly fairly frequently for your hobbies and your, you've had to fly for your work. Is that true? Correct, unfortunately. Um, you, you were a consulting biostatistician in Sydney, Australia. Is that right? I've never been to Australia, but the company that I worked for is based in Australia, and they have an office in San Francisco, California. Okay. I don't think I'll make it to Australia. <laughs> it is long. 
Um, I also saw on your CV that you list the following interest of surf travel, and you, in parentheses, put Hawaii, Costa Rica, South Pacific Islands, and French Polynesia. Have you been all to those places? Correct. By airplane? Yes. And your interests also include oceanography, uh, Hawaiian and Tahitian culture. Did you travel by air as a part of those interests? Correct. Thank you very much. Easier for me to travel going that direction when it's a vacation. In other words, she doesn't have a fear of flying. Oh, saints preserve us, as as some folk like to say. Welcome back to the program. Call lines are open, 866-963-2037. If you want to weigh in, uh, give us a call. I'm, I'm open to... All comments that have to do with this sham of a hearing that we heard this morning where we just saw a 53-year-old woman kind of inflecting and trying to convince America that she's really 12 or 13. Apologies to the 12 or 13-year-old girls who may be in the audience or exist in the world today who don't deserve that slur against their good honor. She was trying to make us think that she was really just as clean as the driven snow and sweet and really she didn't know what the definition of some of the words were. The woman has a double master's degree. She teaches at two separate university systems and she has a PhD. That's why they call her Dr. Floor, Dr. Ford, Dr. Blazy Ford. She is a disgrace. And, and I know Karen Cataline, who we really appreciate her coming on the show today. She made the point that something could have happened to her. But when you say something happened to me and I remember it, but I don't remember how I got home. I don't remember the house where it happened. I don't remember, um, you know, so many of the details that you would have to remember if a sexual assault occurred. And then you say, but I know it was Brett Kavanaugh. It sounds more like jilted 15 year old girl. Doesn't it? Since speculation is all we've got. Doesn't it sound like maybe she wanted to know Brett Kavanaugh and she showed up at this party and maybe Brett and his friends weren't interested in knowing her. No offense, but I've seen the pictures from the yearbook. So is is it that she was kind of had her eye on this older, popular boy from a very prestigious prep school? And she goes with her friend and she goes upstairs hoping that she's going to have something wonderful happen. And then what? Is it that he did this and she's just can't remember how she got home? It's It's highly unlikely that someone who remembers all of the other details, doesn't remember how she got home. And remember, one of the most important things about that particular aspect of the story is because the party was at least a minimum of six to eight miles from her residence, if she had a ride home, the person who gave her the ride home would be the one who could corroborate her story because she said she hid in the bathroom, then went down the stairs and quickly exited the house because she was afraid they were going to follow her. So if she left in a state of fear and upset, she's anxious, she's upset. The person who drove her home could have at very minimum said, "Uh, I drove her home and she was upset. That would lend more credibility. But the problem with that is she's framing the timing of this event, this assault around when Brett Kavanaugh was 17 years old and she was 15. If she was driving, that would mean she was 16 and Brett Kavanaugh would have been, come on now, he would have been a year older, which means he wouldn't have been at a high school party because he already would have left to go to college. You see? So 
it doesn't work. Something about the story stinks. Something, there's, there's a rotting fish head somewhere nearby and the scent is, is increasing. And none of us should feel as if we have to put up with the idea that we have to believe this, this allegation. It's an allegation. So where there's a pattern, like with Anthony Weiner and Bill Clinton, where there's a pattern uh, such as there has been with so many other sexual predators like Harvey Weinstein, when there's a pattern, then you're much more open to believing it. But when there's no pattern, there's an absence of fact going from all the way when the guy's in high school and college. He has all of these women, now hundreds of women in total, have come out and talked about the the utter upright nature of his character. And we're supposed to believe Christine Blasey Ford and her scurrilous account with all the holes in it. That's what we're supposed to believe. Yeah. I'm not buying it. Let's go to the phones. We've got Kathy in Illinois. And if you want to call in, it's 866-963-2037-866-963-2037. Kathy, thank you for calling in today. Oh, thank you for taking my call. I just mm-hmm. wanted you to know I called yesterday. But oh. I got cut off. I don't know how. But I really love your radio show. And I think you and me would get along great. Uh, we I'm would. We'd have coffee. <laughs> sure we would. <laughs> I, uh, I, I have loved listening to you more than any woman I have ever listened to in my life. Oh, well, so, thank you. Thank you very much. This whole thing has got my, my stomach in knots, mm. but I'm, I'm just believing God that tomorrow he will be confirmed. Yes. Because what's impossible with man is possible with God. Mm-hmm. And I do believe he's a godly man, and how that woman can stand up there and lie like that is just beyond me. But people do strange things for for many reasons, um, and I just I just really hoping he gets confirmed tomorrow, and that would lay it all to rest because I'll be rejoicing right it along would. with you. Thank you, Kathy, for calling the show, and and also for yesterday, um, and thank you for the compliment about the programming. Thank you. I have to say, I, I agree with Kathy. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm standing on. I know that God is in control. I know that he is able to do greater and above all that we dare ask or think. Uh, I've been praying for the Kavanaugh's. I know that I am not alone in that, that, that there are just literally millions of Americans in this country who are praying for the Kavanaugh's and for this process. And even for Christine Blasey Ford, I, that's one of the things I've been able to read just since the show is, has been going on. I've, I've read that... Um, one of the daughters of the Kavanaugh's, when they were praying about this process and, and everything that was going on, the daughter said, Dad, don't forget to, to pray for Dr. Ford. I mean, come on now. They're raising up some pretty decent daughters. And you know how children, they'll put you to shame with, with the way they can speak the truth. I, I'm, I confess over him that he has received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness and reigns in life through Jesus Christ. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away and everything about Judge Kavanaugh is new. He is saved. And with man, things are impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Without God, we can do nothing. With him, we can do all things. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. That applies to Kavanaugh as well. And 
God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in me and in Brett Kavanaugh, the hope of glory. Uh, amen. And let's, you know, as, as I like to say, let's get it on to the next. I'm trusting him because this morning was difficult to listen. It really was. Oh, it was, it was so difficult. Uh, Pamela in Kansas, thank you so much for calling the show. Hey, hi, Stacey. How you doing? Doing pretty good. We should be wonderful. We should be very proud of Kevin. He is really kicking it. He's kicking it. Okay, so we just keep <laughs> praying for him. He's going to be okay. I, I'm I'm with you, Pamela. I, I appreciate the encouragement, and everyone needs to hear it. Pamela says he's kicking it. He's gonna he's gonna make it through. He's he's bringing the hammer down, and he should. Thank you so much, Pamela, for calling the show. Uh, let's do Ann in Texas. Ann, thank you so much for calling the show today. Yes. Hey. I am calling to um, suggest this, and this is just my opinion. What I'm thinking is that Mr. Kavanaugh was at the wrong place at the wrong time during those parties. Maybe he might have been there in a short moment, and he may have been seen drinking a beer. But this reminds me of the story of Potiphar's wife with Joseph. Mm. And I'm thinking that he, she had a crush on him, and he did not respond to that. Mm. And um, rejection does a lot of things to a young girl when she's got her sights set on something that she thinks was going to go away. Mm -hmm. to go a different direction, and that is a possibility that he was just there, and this is retaliation of rejection. Um, You know, Potiphar's wife yanked that robe off of him and said, this is what happened, and accused him, and Mm -hmm. got him thrown in prison and all kinds of things. So I just, um, like you said, like you said, there is a fish in the wood pile somewhere here, and this story is not right. And the others coming up, that's just that's just, that's just more of Jezebel stuff. I'm just going to get Bible here. This is just Jezebel. Thank you, thank you. I, I'm with you. You so you hit the nail on the head with 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 that biblical story because she really. She knew if if she had a relationship with him, he would be killed, but she didn't care. She was just like, I want to have a relationship. And he was thinking, you'll get me killed. And so she got him imprisoned instead. And God still used him. It was amazing the way God turned that around for his good. But again, it, it, the, the similarities are kind of, it, it's, it's like, wow, the, the similarities are there. And thank you so much for calling the show. Um, I, I want to talk to Rob in North Carolina. Rob, thank you so much for calling in today. Um, I have to say, I, I, we haven't even discussed this part of the story about her writing uh, white papers and working for the um, drug ma- manufacturers, the people who make the abortion pills. And do you have a comment about that? Oh, um, oh do I have a comment about that? Yeah. Um, I just know she's on the board of directors uh, for the drug manufacturer that makes RU486. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, also she she was part of that, um, that they call it a women's march. I, pr- I call it a protest uh, march for babies. Mm-hmm. More than half of them being uh, female babies in the womb. The day after Trump was elected, uh, she was wearing uh, that, there was a uh, female anatomy pink hat. Mm. Keep it family friendly for radio, mm-hmm. and um, 
among the protesters. She's, she's a political activist for the left. Uh, the big question I wanted to know that nobody asked is how big is her check from the George Soros-funded foundation? <laughs> nobody what, asked that question. Yeah, what country is that um, that offshore account located in, right? Because there's more than one country you can put an offshore account in. And, you know, they, they paid her house off. Apparently that's a thing. Donald Trump was talking about that yesterday, that people who accused him of things had their houses paid off. You know, so it's it's clear that there's some money exchanging hands and uh oh go to rob don't forget to go to twitter and there's a video a short video it's like 15 seconds long of sheila jackson lee handing a card to the attorney for dr ford right after they stand up and they adjourn the attorney turns up and and as he's standing and turning Sheila Jackson Lee steps in and hands him a little, just a tiny little envelope, and she puts it right in his hand. And then he, he, his face perks up. He thanks her and sticks the envelope inside his jacket pocket. Yeah, money's exchanging hands. Thank you, Rob. Um, I'm going to have to hold over any calls that we have coming in, but what I want to say thank you so much for listening. If you're here just for the first hour, you're here for the second hour. We'll be back after the news and information at the top of the hour. And I want to make sure that we, we have all of our details in line. We know now that Mrs. Ford said she's changed her story on the number of people who were there. She's changed her story on um, the timing as in she doesn't know it. She's also admitted that her stories about being afraid to travel have zero to do with the truth because she flies all the time. So there's a number of inconsistencies there and any human being can have gaps in their memory and not have a perfect recollection but not if you're going to go on TV and accuse the next Supreme Court justice of the United States, who's going to be number nine, of sexual impropriety. Yeah, I said it. You got to have your story straight if you're going to come for somebody like that. We are blessed to live in this country, but we have to be vigilant and preserve what we have. That means an allegiance to the truth and really Christian living. God bless you.